What's up, everybody? This is episode 142. No, it's not 142. It's 143 <laughs> of Clapper <laughs> Cast. I'm Burke, and as always, joined by Sean. What's going on, man? What the hell is this first round? What? Uh, this is this is craziness. This is madness. Max Chaos. Maximum um, Chaos has been played. It's uh, It's been <laughs> one hell of a couple of weeks. Yep, we are uh, recording this during the first game of round two, which is uh, Toronto versus Florida Panthers. And uh, Toronto actually just got a goal right after being scored on. So it's now 2-1. Uh, Matthew Nyes, I think, got his first was that his first NHL goal and first power um, playoff goal. Did he get a goal in the first series? Or he had a point, maybe. I think he had a few assists. He was on the ice for every um, overtime winner. Um, but that's I think that's his first goal. I'm not sure. I'm watching with the audio off, but um, Toronto showing a little bit of resilience there, um, which is pretty unlike them. Um, but we'll get to that. Um, but uh, wanted to just quickly talk about each of the matchups of round one, and then dive into who's left in round two. Um, so I want to start with the Atlantic and start with uh, I don't know. I guess. Leafs. <laughs> yeah, since literally we're watching that one right now, or you know, that's that's the game on right now. We'll uh, dive straight into them. Sure. So Toronto uh, ended up winning over Tampa Bay in six, uh, so it was four two, and um, it was a it was kind of a back and forth series, um, and we had three overtimes, um, and I think. They they're all won by Toronto on the road. Is that correct? Um, correct. I think that's one of the first. It might be the first time that that's ever happened, um, where a road team won three consecutive overtimes. It's a very obscure stat, so I would imagine it is the first time. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, I mean, sooner or later, Toronto had to break through to, you know, break on through to the other side. You can only and, fool the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs six times. In a row. <laughs> <Yeah>. Let <laughs> it be known. <laughs> <laughs> you will not beat the Toronto Maple Leafs in the first round seven yeah. years in a row. Nobody, be, no. <laughs> the Toronto Maple Leafs cannot be held out of the second round for twenty years. Nineteen <laughs> is the limit. Yeah. <laughs> um, twenty forty four. So yeah. Here we come. <laughs> so what's your what's kind of what your what's your take on this series? Did you watch a lot of this series or? Um, I followed the story more than watched it just keeping up with what was going on in the games. I mean, game one, Tampa Bay wins 7-3. Didn't look like Toronto was going to stand much of a chance when you start out like that, but they bounced back. They had that resilience you just talked about earlier. They had some resilience. They bounced back and blew Tampa Bay out in the second game. Um, the big theme from this series for me was the injuries to Tampa Bay because Hedman was hurt for a bit. I don't remember if he finished the series playing or not, if he was out for the rest of it. He um, played. He played a bit. Um, Eric Chernak same deal with him he was out Never he got hurt early after game one i think headman or chermack chernak chernak got hit by bunting and was out for the series yeah and okay didn't come back yeah um i think and that then, was game one um yeah. bunting was suspended for three games toronto won all of those games um while he was out um and he didn't come back for the his first eligible game toronto lost they threw him back in then they won um yeah, so yeah chernak chernak was out um, Point Braden was injured. Point. Hedman was injured. Vasilevsky um, was injured. Really? I hadn't seen that one. Yeah, this... Uh, 
it's it's not like super serious injury, but it's something that was apparently a bu- like a bunch of little minor injuries through the season that he just tried to battle through, but never really rested properly, and they mm-hmm. just caught up to him. It sounds like that's what happened. I saw I might have been earlier today a bit of a Twitter thread about that. Uh, that would make sense because he did look a little off, um, but Toronto did a really good job of getting in front of him mm-hmm. and being able to get pucks past him. Which um, that was another theme with all of those injuries, notably notably the one to Chernak. Um, Toronto was able to have that net front presence they otherwise might not have, and that was something that really that was a really key theme to what held or what helped Toronto win is that they didn't have Tampa Bay did not have their physical bigger defenders able to do physical big defender things. <laughs> yeah, uh, it made a, I think it made a big difference. Um, oh man, Toronto just about tied it, um, but they also had their big guys come to play to Toronto right like mm-hmm. you know um, Tavares got the, the OT winner um, to win the series he had a pretty garbage game <laughs> other than that for that Marner. one that one game yeah Marner's Marner already good. got a career high in playoff points for one one playoff and uh, Matthews turned it up at the end of the series too um, <coughs> and I think that the, the moment where it was like okay this is a different team is when they were down in, um, I can't remember which game it was, um, where they were down by like 4-1 with 10 minutes left in the third period. And they were able to come back and win that game. Um, that's just not a Toronto thing to do. <laughs> yeah, that, <coughs> that would have been game uh, game four. They won that 5-4 in overtime. Yeah, like that's just not... I turned that game off because I was like, eh... No, they're this probably done, one. you know. His history would tell me they're done. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was very unlike them to, to come back. And so I thought that showed a lot of uh, mental fortitude <laughs> to battle back <laughs> um, and be able and to win um, that game. How about some of those trade deadline acquisitions like Ryan O'Reilly and especially O'Reilly had some key plays in that series that helped Toronto. Uh, Nola Chari had a few points that were pretty pretty key as well. Yeah, Chari had some clutch goals. Um, O'Reilly, I think his presence just helps. You know, like kind of a, you know, there's people around the league say he doesn't make mistakes, right? Like he's just such yeah. a complete player, and you see that when he's playing. Like he just oh, yeah. doesn't and force I mean, a play, doesn't make a big bad turnover. Um, and another guy that actually I was really impressed with was Luke Shen. Um, just like he, he adds like a toughness, but also just like his poise, like his breakouts like were really good like he was just like hanging on to the puck and making like a really good like pass to the middle and just like he was just like had such poise it was really good to watch him because he's just such a like apparently really nice guy (laughs) according to like you know like Bruce Boudreaux said that he stood up for him like saying like Boudreaux's a good coach and blah 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 and like just you know the all Canucks fans love him and are cheering for him to win despite him being on the Leafs now um but yeah he looked he looked really good um because normally we think of Luke Shen as like a you know his, his role in Tampa was like seventh D man right when he won the cups yeah um but he's been playing big minutes for Toronto and looks good so yeah the, the I think the one I mean they made so many deadline acquisitions that it's like <laughs> some of them got to pan out but like I don't think Lafferty did particularly 
well. I think he, he came out of the lineup when Bunting came back in. Um, Gustafson played in one game, I think, when they dressed 7-D and didn't really do much. Um, <laughs> he played McKay seven minutes, and I'm pretty sure you said he gave up a goal, basically. He, yeah, <laughs> he was playing with Giordano, and they looked like completely out of sync with who was covering who in the D zone. And they got scored on. I don't know if you play well, it's that. Well, because not barely a defender. He doesn't know who to cover, anyways. Yeah, I mean, he's he's like better and it's better this season, but it's probably hard to like pop in and out of the lineup like so yeah. infrequently. And Especially just, on a new like, team where he never gets a chance to actually like figure out what the system is and who he's supposed to be on. Yeah, and you know he's a power play specialist, and he's not. He's playing power play too, but anyway, it's not on him that that game, but um. It's just, you know, the guys, some of the guys are, are doing well and some of them aren't. And they, I think they might have suffered a little bit in some of those games from just having too many new guys and, um, you know, just mismatch of D pairings and switching up who you're playing with and not knowing where a guy's going to be and just, you know, miscommunications and stuff like that. You could see mm -hmm. some of those, like that Giordano Gustafson one. It's like, that wouldn't have happened if you had like a stable D partner, I think. But anyway, it was um, it was a fun series. Um, Corey Perry had a really good series. Um, but uh, yeah, it, I'm just I was happy for Leafs fans that they finally got their moment. Um, I'm just sad that the streak's over because it was fun. Now we get to move this um first round <laughs> loss thing over to Minnesota. <laughs> we'll talk yeah. about them later. Yeah, and the um, it was three one now is against boston which um, uh good good segue as we jump over to the other atlantic division series <laughs> yeah um who uh so who would have guessed <laughs> this one when the boston bruins record-setting team 65 wins 135 points just got uh on the receiving end of the biggest upset in nhl history losing his seven games to the florida panthers yeah what was it like a 40 42 or something 42 or 43 just in the regular season. So, you know, you got like a 21-22 win difference between these teams in the regular season. And Boston just yeah. lost in seven games. They lost, what, three straight home games to close out the series or something? Yeah, they they lost. They were up 3-1. I think they lost every... They lost three games um, at home. And they only lost like seven at home all season, yeah. including playoffs. So it's like, holy shit. I, yeah, I mean, like, this really was, like, I think people know how good Matthew Kachuk is, but, like, I think there's maybe more of a bit of a spotlight on him here. You know, like, playing in Calgary and playing in Florida, it's probably not, like, super well-known in, like, you know, mainstream sports fans, I guess, in the U.S., um, but they just got to see, like, how dominant he could be. Like, he had, yeah. he had um, 11 points. Um, five goals, including some really nice ones. Oh, huge plays. I mean, that um, <laughs> there was one, was it the game four or game five? It was like a comeback win that Kachuk had three points in, including, yeah, I believe, the overtime winner. Just he, either scored, he either scored the game-tying goal or the overtime winner and assisted on the other. And yeah. that player, that Matthew Kachuk, is like the key of this entire series. Because mm -hmm. he, him and his energy, and we, we were just talking about this before recording, like him and his ability to manage the energy and the momentum of games is by far the best in the league. Like nobody else mm -hmm. can control a game like he does. And that's exactly yeah. what he did. 
um, on the ice yeah, in the locker room. Like he took charge of that team, and like yeah, all of what really happened did. was him putting the team on his back and just carrying and dragging them through this first round. Yeah, and he did that down the stretch too. Right? Like when they needed to win a lot of those games, he was getting those clutch goals for them yep. and just dragging the team into playoffs. And so, yeah, he he is the guy. Like I don't know if Barkov's like kind of that game breaker type you know he's he's a defensively responsible forward and is effective both ends of the ice but like matthew can chuck can go out there and lay a big hit and just change the momentum yeah um super impressive and yeah there's that clip of him like in the locker room after they won in boston and he's saying like remember this room we're gonna be back here for game seven and then you know sure enough they they came back and won yeah. And then I should also mention another guy that had a really good series was Brandon Montour. Yeah, came out of nowhere, had that amazing regular season when you have like 70 points or something crazy. And yeah. then and goes and has seven points in seven games in the series or something. Leafs just tied it. <laughs> Michael Bunting. So that game's tied. Second period, five minutes left. Um, but yeah, he and then in game seven, he, had, he opened the scoring. He got that tying goal with like, 30 seconds left or whatever yeah, like 59 seconds left ties <laughs> and a just great shot um yeah he, he's been really really good for them um but yeah boston just like they couldn't even string a pass together no. like they were they looked terrible in some of these games were like i mean florida has a really good forecheck and we've seen that already in this leafs game today where like they're they get the pressure up. They just are relentless, that pressure. And it's like shift after shift after shift. And it just leads to a goal. Um, but, like, so they Boston couldn't withstand that. And turns out their goalie is dealing with a very painful <laughs> injury, as Kevin Weeks reported. And it's like, well, you had a good tandem yeah. <laughs> all season. Like, Swayman had, like, 24 wins or something. Yeah. Like, why didn't you... Why couldn't he you play was him? <laughs> Swayman had like the eighth highest goal saved above expected in the league. Yeah, like I think he hit like <laughs> <laughs> these are both top ten goalies in the regular season. So instead of swapping out when you realize Olmark's hurt after the first few games and he can't play very well, you don't put Swayman in for the last few, and then you yeah, go. I don't know if <laughs> it's it's such a baffling decision to just to to keep playing Olmark when he's clearly hurt. It just was such a weird coaching move, and apparently Montgomery was asked about it, and he said, like, oh, you're going to have to talk to the goalie coach about that. He's like, okay, well, even if the goalie coach says Olmark's ready to go, like, if he's injured and he's clearly not playing 100%, that your best bet is to put Swayman in. I, it, like, is, he's got, well, he why is the goalie coach wins. making your decisions? <laughs> yeah, well, Swayman had 24 wins, six losses, four overtime losses this season. A 2.27 goals against average and a 9.20 save percentage. Like, I'm yeah. pretty sure you could be confident in him starting. And then I think I sent you a thing today from Spit Chicklets where they're talking about, like, Swayman didn't play, like, amazing in Game 7, but he hadn't started since, like, April 13th. Yeah, and, and so when the whole in. team, like, Boston themselves were not playing well. So, like, not this, and it goes both ways. I mean, Swayman had good numbers because Boston was so good in the regular season. So but he's Allmark. also a part of that, and so does Allmark, yeah. But he's also a part of it, so it's like, okay, he gets one game. I mean, he it looks like he played a little bit in the second game as well at some point. But um, he gets that one game seven, and Boston's 
like were they ever in that game did they ever look good other than that 10 minute stretch in like the third period when they caught up yeah like, like the of course he's midway through the second and then the beginning of the third or whatever yeah yeah uh but it's just as soon as omar did that um overtime pass um where he just gave up that that goal basically it's like why didn't you start sway the next game yeah like <laughs> they, so they were up three games to one and they not quite but effectively got reverse swept so like just an utter collapse mm-hmm. and they had players that were playing extremely well um but as a team they just fell apart man like they just uh, at florida's blue line they just could not get anything to go like together Mm -hmm. they were just getting shut down um really really weird (laughs) like i love seeing the chaos but it's just very bizarre i think there's not very many brackets remaining after this first round not no not too many people are gonna have picked this i mean well florida coming out of this this matchup but uh yeah i mean segue into the um second round matchup out of this division where we're, we've just been talking about them because the game's on but toronto versus florida you know you, you see that matchup in in the second round you look at the first round and be like this are you are you sure this is actually <laughs> happening teams, yeah <laughs> yeah toronto's trying to battle through the st- whole state of florida um <laughs> yeah the battle the battle of florida <laughs> canada will conquer florida yeah yeah, I mean, that's one thing, like, Florida's trying to not sell tickets to non-U.S. residents, but it's like there's probably so many people that retired I, to um, Florida. Yeah, like all the snowbirds. Yeah. That, I think uh, uh, I think they lifted that resale. restriction this morning. I think I saw uh, that. They probably it. realized that people were just going to resell them anyway. And <laughs> Our arena's only going to be it. half full. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it was just... It, it, now it just looks like if it is full of Leafs fans that they didn't try to stop it. But if they kept that restriction up and it was full of Leafs fans, they'd be like, you guys didn't do anything. Yeah. 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 But, so um, how are you feeling with, about with this series? Um, I think it's, it's going to be close. I mean, like it's, it's two kind of offensive teams that, you know, have questionable goaltending. I think like Samsonov was good, but had moments where he was pretty scary um and then on the other side it's like Bobrovsky put some good wins together for them and had that really good game where he stopped like 43 of like 45 shots or whatever um so if it's if it's not him I think you'd go back to Lyon like if he's not playing well I think um, is, didn't Lyon start tonight it's Bob oh they did start him okay they had Lyon in the starters net in uh practice or morning skate this today yeah it's Bob okay which um, makes sense I mean he he didn't play amazingly well. Like he didn't have the greatest stat line, but he helped the team get to where they are. Like he was good enough to get the team through the series. So yeah, he makes sense, makes sense to stick with him. You know, like he made that save on Marshawn on that breakaway. Yeah. Um, yeah. He made some good saves in overtime. Um, yeah. Um, he's, he's making $10 million. So I think they're going to roll him until um, <laughs> they better play they really him a couple don't of times. Need to, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I see them as like kind of, kind of similar, um, but Florida's pretty sneaky deep. Like they've got a pretty deep forward core, um, 
and they're coming off like beating the world beating Boston Bruins so like yeah so it's it's a it's a momentum thing for them they're coming off of all this energy Kachuk's got the team riled up like it makes sense that they're going to come into the series flying yeah like if we can do that we can beat anybody um but on the other side you know the Leafs also have the momentum of finally getting through um finally winning around and it's also they beat Tampa Bay who's no slouch either so mm-hmm. I don't know man I think um I think I'm I'm gonna go with the Leafs in this one, but I think it's gonna go the distance and go seven. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's gonna be it could, go, it could really go either way. How about you? Yeah, I think you're spot on with um, the similarities between Toronto and Boston. Um, one spot that I was reading about a bit of an analysis on that first round series with Florida Boston was that um, the Bruins are extremely structured. And they play with a lot of a lot of system focus, a lot of structure in their game. And Florida, this isn't like a knock against them, but Florida's a bit more free-flowing. They're not quite as structured. So the Bruins have trouble playing against that because it's like, how does the system adapt to something that doesn't really have a system? So Florida's able to uh, adapt because they can just do whatever. And they don't, you know, they'll, they'll adapt, they'll, they'll adjust to what they need to do to beat the other team's system. But Boston has trouble with that. Toronto is also a team that plays with a lot of system. They're they're pretty set in their ways in a sense, and that could be something that bodes well for Florida because they just showed that they can beat a team like that. They showed that they have the advantage in a system or in a game or in against an opponent like that. So it could it could be another upset. It could very well be another upset. I think Toronto's gonna take it just because they're the better team. But I also don't. I also think Florida could still be rolling on the rolling high on the momentum from the first round series and take it. But yeah, I'm gonna go with Toronto um, in six games in this one. Verhage just scored. They're back up three two. Um, <laughs> Toronto's gonna win the series as Verhage scores. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's one thing about Florida. Like just watching this game and some of the games against Boston is they kind of remind me of like when Vegas used to play this like counterattack game. Mm-hmm. You know? It's yeah, like that aggressive, they have that aggressive trap it, or whatever. They've got that aggressive forecheck where they just harass, you know, the, the, the defense in Toronto's zone. But they also just counterattack off of any um, mistake off of the breakout, right? Like, Verhage just got a breakaway off of a mistake at the blue line because Brody went for a pinch, and they just chipped to the guy in the middle. Clear breakaway. Um, and then they've got enough talent where... There's probably a guy in every line who can score that on that breakaway. Um, whereas the Leafs, mm, if it's not Matthews or Marner or Tavares or Nylander or O'Reilly, like, I don't know if I'm banking on, like, Camp scoring on a breakaway, right? But it's like you got Louis in, um, who had s- some really great shots that go in against uh, Boston. You know, you got Lundell. So they're just kind of a they've got the top end talent but they've got like the sneaky scorer guys and also Carter Verhage lit Samsonov up when um, Florida played him um, in playoffs what last year I guess Um, he just got like (laughs) I think he had like something crazy like six or seven goals or something against the Capitals so um, if he just has Samsonov's number like Mm -hmm. he could do that again he's got one so far i think so um yeah it's, it, i think it's, it could be some real track meets 
with just the defense on each of these teams and the the offense that they are both capable of. Could could be interesting goalie situation. See if um, Matt Murray ends up coming back in for Toronto. He practiced, I think, today. Um, yeah, because Samsonov, <coughs> Samsonov, um, as you're well aware, <laughs> not the, exactly the most reliable playoff performer. He he did okay in the first round, but his not his stat line wasn't great, and he didn't he didn't win the Leafs any games. He just kind of held them in it. Yeah, he made some really good saves. He played well when he needed to, right? Um, but um, he's so inconsistent it's kind of a wild I'll card. forever hold that against him <laughs> from from his capitals days I don't care if he's like just posting the same numbers every night I'll still won't trust him um <laughs> and but the one thing the one thing that I do notice he never plays the puck for Toronto so I think that that's smart because he's mm -hmm. bad at it <laughs> so just don't <laughs> <laughs> if you're a goaltender, <laughs> and when, yeah, and when you're a Tend team that's got the puck movers on the back end that the Toronto, that the Maple Leafs have, it's like you don't need the goalie to do that. Mm -hmm. So if it's if it's more of a risk to send him out and like play the puck and start the rush, like don't don't do it. You could just let the defender do that. Yeah, absolutely. You've got the you've got the um, you've got the skaters to to be able to do that for them. Okay, so we're both picking the Leafs on in this series. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, well, moving on, um, going to go to the. Uh, "Quote unquote central." Yeah, division. yeah. Let's go. To, let's go to that <laughs> one. <laughs> okay, um, so we'll start with the actual central matchup. I guess Dallas uh, prevailed over the Minnesota Wild in a six-game series, four games to two. Um, I don't know if you watched much of this one, um, but I watched, I think, every game. But I was doing some traveling, so I missed parts of some of them. Um, but it was. It was it w interesting. I think Kaprizov's hurt. I, I don't think I've seen anything come out since the series has ended. Have you well, seen I anything? Well, I mean, I haven't seen anything come out, but it makes sense given his complete invisibility in the series. And you have to wonder with the ankle injury he had in the regular season if he came back too early just because of the playoffs. I, th I think he must because. Like, he Dallas, was Dallas totally is a good defensive invisible. team that can shut down good players but to completely hold Kaprizov almost entirely off the score sheet like that yeah I think they kept showing it in the games I don't know if this is still the case but they kept showing like he had the most missed shots out of anyone in the first round okay yeah um, so so depending what the percentage yeah depending what like the percentage of missed shots he usually had in the regular season because maybe he just does that anyways because he goes for volume but um yeah, I mean, if his ankle's off, he's, his accuracy is going to be off if he can't lean or stand right. Yeah, because um, like last year he had seven goals, one assist, eight points in six games, and this year he had one goal. Um, and it obviously, is a huge, the huge driver of that offense. Mm -hmm. So, um, I, I he must have been hurt, um, because yeah, like I don't trust their ability to shut down to that level. Um, but, um, it was a pretty physical series. Um, I think it was the feistiest you know, of the first round with, um, you know, some, definitely some questionable calls both, both ways. I think it was pretty, <laughs> pretty even in the sense that it was bit, it was bad for everyone. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, some, some pretty big, big injuries like Pavelski missed the whole thing. Um, and then, um, there was, you know, um, 
Felino was um, not liking some of the calls, and some of them were really bad. Um, and then went with me on me with Faxa and got ejected. And um, it's just a very physical series. Yeah. Like even Marcus I Johansson was throwing high hits out there. Yeah, I think there was 221 penalty minutes in the series <laughs> in six games. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, there was a lot of fights, crazy. a lot of a lot of extra stuff, a lot of extracurricular activities. It was a physical battle. And Dallas is quite lucky that they made it through at relatively unscathed, apparently. That yeah, Pavelski, so. Pavelski was back. I think he was a game-time decision for game one. I don't know if he's for sure playing or not. But I don't think they had any uh, any other injuries to their roster out of that series, which is incredibly fortunate considering how like how chippy and physical it was. Yeah, I think I think they're pretty healthy otherwise, um, unless like Fax's knee is um, hurt. But I think they're I think they're pretty. I think they held up pretty pretty well. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess the story is, like, Ottinger got better as the series went on. He just played lights out. Um, his, his family, he's from Minnesota, so he had an interview after the series and said it was pretty cool to be able to play in front of, like, his family. Um, and uh, Lupe Hintz, um, I think, ended up leading all skaters and yep. points after the first round, although that might have changed with the last game in the Oilers series. Uh, no. No, uh, Drysaitel has eleven in six games. Uh, Hints has twelve in six games. There you go. So, Lupe, lighten it up. Although, which <laughs> Kachuk might have just taken over in this game. Yeah, probably. But more um, more games played. So. Um. And then um, Sagan played really well in the in the place of Pavelski. Um, he he played on that top line, um, and their power play was insane um they would score like <laughs> like 10 seconds into a power play um they did that a couple times um so i think the special teams just the the depth um the injuries that minnesota had because like erickson eck was hurt hartman was hurt for a period um kaprizov i think must have been hurt um and then that weird decision to go to flurry i think really bit them too I sti- yeah i still don't get that you have an amazing game one win the game in overtime with Philip Gustafson, and then you go to Fleury in Game Two. I th- like yeah. that. That I will. I will never understand that decision. It's really the loyalty to the tandem seems a bit misplaced. Like you talk about, but, but on the other side, you talk about Boston not honoring the tandem that they rolled, and it not working for them. But in, in that case, it's a little different because one guy's I mean, injured. You should yeah. you should have just played the other guy. It, as um, far as we're aware, Gustafson wasn't hurt, and he played well <laughs> no because he came back in the series and played good yeah so um, he was probably their best player um overall um so yeah it was it was kind of weird um but yeah dallas just i think i think the top end talent just kind of took him over and the, they're just able to to win like hints just had a hat trick you know just took over and there wasn't really like a weak link on Dallas's team either, so that was cool. Yeah, you were talking about Hints. Hints had such a good series. I mean, what was that record he set about, um, like the most three-point games in in a first round or something crazy? He had like multiple three-point games. I saw a thing where he had like the most points of like a Finnish-born player in 
like the first round or something, but I didn't see a three-point game one. But, um, yeah, on that note, too, <coughs> pardon me, Jason Robertson didn't have as many points. He had seven points in six games, but he's still such an important part of that line. And the two of them, you know, the two of them stepping up like that when Pavelski was out is mm-hmm. is huge for the team because they know they can cover someone being out of the lineup. They know they have the people who can step up. They know they can cover uh, their production in other ways. And, yeah, it was – he had three three-point games in that series. He had four points nice. in one in, in the 7-3 win, and then he had two straight three-point games in um, games four and five. So that's that's incredible perform- production from him. Yeah, the top line, just even without Pavelski, just did really well. Um, Haskinen and Suter actually played good together. Um, nope, no passengers. They played yeah. played really good. Um, and then move on, I guess, to another upset. Um, Seattle Kraken won their first ever playoff series against the defending Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche in uh, Game Seven. Who to thought? Oliver Bjorkstrand, what an absolute beast of a Game Seven. Yeah. Did you? How much uh, did, did you watch? Much of that game? I watched it. Yeah. Like how he had he had the two goals. He hit how many posts? He could have had like five, six goals in that game. And then there's one play in particular in the latter stages of the game. I think the net was empty. For mm-hmm. I think Colorado had the empty net. Bjorkstrand's chasing a puck with a, a Colorado defender, and he dives to just poke it a few feet farther just to keep the puck away for just a little bit longer. I just that was yeah. such a. Such a huge little play just to disrupt uh, any sort of any sort of rush the other way. That uh, just capped yeah. off an amazing game from him. Yeah, it was absolute performance. Um, I mean, what we talked about with Florida was just some some depth. Like, I think Seattle's the ultimate, yeah, um, you know, exhibit of that. Just Seattle, like, they have the deepest team in the league offensively. They had the most 20-point yeah. scorers in the league. I think it was either Carson Soucy or Will Borgen was the only lineup regular to not have 20 points in the regular season. And oh. in that first round, I'm just looking at Seattle's lineup card here. Like they had, I think it was like 18 players had a goal in the series. And everybody but Ryan Donato had a point. Yeah, I think their their leading point scorer was like um, Yanni Gord with like five or six points, but it's yeah, like Gord had six. Was pretty even, like um, compared to some of the other teams where they've got like the high end guys with like eleven mm-hmm. or something. It's like they had like you know a more even distribution where it's like just yeah. scoring by committee and getting it done no matter who is kind of in there. Exactly. And just um, I watched a video and it was probably like NHL Network or whatever, and it was um, just like Seattle's game plan. And it was really just chip the puck in, get it deep, and just get the get the grind going. Like just go down there, hit the the D men, and get like a cycle going, and just outwork them, win the puck battles. And they just did that like every game, and they were able to score the first goal every game basically, and get off to a good start. They didn't. They some of them they lost. Colorado has a good comeback ability, mm-hmm. but they were able to get the first goal, which is which it's impressive. Huge. And mm-hmm. um. That depth, to me, is the biggest reason why they were able to beat Colorado, because Colorado's depth was not there. Yeah. They were missing players to injury. They were missing players to mysterious 
legal circumstances of some kind that we still don't know the <laughs> circumstances of. And yeah. they lost a whole bunch of players last offseason, and the rest of them just weren't performing. Like you said, Lars Eller, zero points or something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, zero points. It's it's the same criticism against Colorado that they had those years before they won the Cup was the top-heavy nature of the team that just couldn't match up against teams with depth. And as soon as you shut down the top line, as soon as McKinnon and Rantanen don't score, they don't have anything else who can really pose a threat to the opposition. Yeah, I mean, like, McKinnon was, like, a man possessed in that Game 7. Um, and uh, Rantanen had a really good series. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, like, the, the depth just wasn't there. Um, and Grubauer played really good, um, which is... I don't think what yeah. people would have thought going into the series. No, he he stepped it up. I mean, nine twenty six save percentage in the series, and that's that's exactly what they needed of him. Like they that was the big knock. That was going to be the biggest um, um, weakness for Colorado to exploit coming into the series was goaltending, and how how the hell is Grubauer going to match up against McKinnon and Rantanen in a seven in a you know four five six game seven series? So. For him to go and put up the 926 save percentage, huge part of why Seattle was able to shut down Colorado. Yeah, for sure. He was able to actually make the timely saves. And their defense did a good job of um, keeping guys to the outside. And like they, they still gave up a lot of shots, which is not good, but they, they did um, get those saves when they needed them. And uh, that was what people thought they weren't going to get. Um, so Grubauer had a little bit of a... Um, resurgence to you know <coughs> to where he was when he played for Colorado, um, so that was cool to see. But um, yeah, they just really stepped up, and yeah, I think the the main thing in the series is Colorado is just riddled with you know people out of the lineup. They're just not the same team that they were when they won. Um. So that being said, uh, who do you pick in a Seattle versus Dallas series? Everything, <clears throat> everything in within me suggests like Dallas is the safe pick. Dallas is the likely pick, and I'm going to pick them in in seven games. But it's Seattle. Just something about their energy right now feels like they can try and pull this off. But I think Dallas's roster is just so much better than what Colorado's is that. Like, Dallas has the top-end players going, but they've also got the depth going. They have a better, much better goalie. Like, Jake Ottinger is one of the best goalies in the playoffs every single season he's played them so far. And um, that's a lot better than Georgiev. So it's going to be a lot harder for Seattle to play their game and, and score the amount that they need to to beat Dallas. So I think I think Dallas takes it, but it's going to be close. It's going to be a hard series. Yeah, I lean the same way where I... Th- I ultimately give the edge to Dallas, but I don't think it's going to be a walk in the park or anything. I think that, um, and I don't think Dallas is good enough that they would like treat Seattle like, you know, like, oh, we're going to walk over these guys. Um, but I do think that Dallas has a better roster right now as it stands than Colorado did. Yeah. Um, and, you know, their, their special teams are rolling. Their goalie, like you said, is, is um, strong. Um, so I give them the edge, but. You know, Seattle, there's really no pressure on them. So, 
they could very well just cruise and just like sneak win games. Um, I think it's gonna be fun. It's weird. It's kind of weird, like because no one's really seen Seattle in playoffs, so it's like obviously the first time they're meeting anyone in playoffs. But it's like just seems like such a random historic matchup. <laughs> like, and it's because Seattle's not a central team. I think this is the first time that that's happened. At least normally, um, another central team makes it, and a Pacific team doesn't. So it's uh, just a random one be hard for them to meet again <laughs> down the road yeah not not uh, not always uh the expected matchup but it, you know it'll give us some precedent for the next time it does yeah but a welcome one it'll be it'll be fun um this is what's fun about a new team coming in right because it's like i like dallas i kind of like seattle but will i at the end of this series will i have a <laughs> new team that i don't like <laughs> right like <laughs> or will it be like one of those series where it's like well played like yeah i respect you it won't be like, I hate you. <laughs> 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 um, like, I, s- I totally expect that Toronto fans will hate Florida at the end of this because of Matthew Kachuk. And, you know, and I totally expect the rest of the hockey world will hate Toronto even more regardless <laughs> of the outcome. <laughs> um, probably, yeah. Um, okay, well, we'll move on then to the uh, Metro. Back to the East. Um, so, Carolina... One against the Islanders in a six-game six series, four games to two. Um, I didn't really watch every game in this series because, to be honest, it looked pretty boring. <laughs> it, it was. Um, you didn't miss much. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, least, the least goals of any series, you know, not not a particularly ex- particularly exciting one. Um, but the most exciting moment was that um, game three when the Islanders scored four goals in two minutes and 18 seconds. It was like the fastest ever, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then that was all their offense the entire series. (laughs) They just didn't do anything else. They scored five goals in that one game and ten goals in the other games, I think. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. It, uh... I don't know. It was weird. And it was a weird series winning goal by Statsny. Just, like, throws it in from the behind the goal line in the corner, basically, and just sneaks in. Just a, a perfect, unexpected, like, wait, it's over ending to a series that just wasn't a particularly fun one to watch. Yeah. I'm I'm honestly surprised that Carolina was able to win this one. I thought yeah, they too. were I, I mean, thought I they we, were actually gonna lose. I think we both picked the Islanders, right? Um, I definitely did, yeah. But yeah, it was weird. Um because Carolina kept getting injuries too, like Tara Vinen got hurt. Yeah. So I didn't think that they were going to have the really the depth to kind of well. score, but then clearly <laughs> it didn't matter. It's, it's the um, Islanders; they don't have much depth yeah. to score either. <laughs> yeah. True. Um, so yeah, and, and then it, like a lot of the guys on Carolina didn't really have great good like offensive season or um, series either. Um, it was just really, I think, well, like Aho had most, most of the points, and then yeah, Burns, I think, like Gosses Bear and Shea had like nothing. Um, Correct. So yeah, yeah, um, interesting. Like they used both their goalies. Um, were able to kind of win. I don't know. I didn't like. I said I didn't really watch much of it. I'm. I don't like Carolina that much, and. I'm not an Islanders 
fan in whatsoever. And I do want to point out that Horvat um, didn't do much. <laughs> no, he did not. I was just looking at that. Same with same with Barzal, actually. The two of them only had two points each in the six games. Um, it wasn't the, the most interesting parts was all the Aho on Aho action. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, they were in the penalty box at the same time uh, in one of the games. Um, yeah. I honestly, I don't have anything to say about it because I didn't really watch it. I just know that the Islanders had no offense and I'm not really surprised that they, they couldn't get it done. I just thought they would have put up more of a battle, but I, Brindamore is a great coach. And I think that that's yeah. something that gets often not looked at enough is just the chess match that happens, right? Like the matchups and, you know, all the different things that are involved yeah. in your your lineup. Um, and I think he's just really good at, at, at making those adjustments. Yeah. And, yeah, and just getting that, <coughs> pardon me, just getting that little, that little bit more because that's all they needed. They scored one goal more than the Islanders in this series. And ultimately, over the course of the six games, like that was just enough to win. Yeah. I think Ajo became the um, leading playoff scorer for Carolina during this series. Um, Makes which sense. Which is kind of cool because he hasn't really been around for that long. So it just shows how. Well, I mean, yeah, good Carolina does. What what's their last five seasons been? It was like conference final loss, first round loss, two straight second round losses, and then this year. So like he's gonna get a lot of games just from that. Yeah, they've they've been good lately, Carolina though. They've they've been constantly kind of in the mix um, with some some good teams. Um, and it's just it's still remarkable though that he's like hasn't been around for that long, but he's still he's like he's already the leader. It's just crazy to me. I guess Carolina hasn't really had like. Yeah, it's the historic lack of success, too. They kind of, yeah. <clears throat> like, they had their cup win, obviously, but it's kind of like they'll miss the playoffs for a few years and then have one playoff run, and then they'll miss the playoffs yeah. for a few years. Like, this last yeah. handful of seasons is the first time they've, I think they've really been consistently in the playoffs year after year for, for yeah. a stretch. Yeah. Um, okay, we'll move on then to another. Uh, despite the standings, um, for this one, like who had home ice advantage, I think it was still seen as a bit of an upset. So New Jersey beat the New York Rangers in a seven-game series in, in a dominant performance in seven in the seventh game. I that is add. crucial to mention. Um, and yeah, New Jersey had the better record. They were the you know the statistically higher team coming in. But with the additions that the Rangers made at the deadline and earlier, they were seen as kind of the, uh, uh, I think a lot of people saw them as a real contender. Um, and so this is kind of surprising for a lot of people, but I think you were bigger on the on the Devils than I was, but a lot of the underlying numbers showed that the Devils were not really just a flash in the pan team, that they actually are really good. Um, and you saw that in this series where, like, in Game 7, it's like they – even the commentators were saying, like, this is one of the most dominant performances in a Game 7 we've seen because yep. they just – they just – they just didn't let the Rangers do anything that no. entire game. No, and that was – honestly, that was the theme in general after the second game because that, that series, it started out looking like the Rangers had it easily. They win the first two games 5-1 each game, and – 
you know, all the credit to the devils on this one and, and Lindy Ruff and the coaching staff, they adjusted, they figured out what they need to do for playoff hockey and they figured out how to shut down the Rangers and how to actually counter them properly. Then they go and rattle off three straight wins, lose game six. Sure. You can't win them all. But like, like you were saying, just that absolute dominant performance, a four, nothing win in game seven, the Rangers could get nothing going. The devils had control of the game the entire time. Like, and, and, um, best goalie in the first round, Akira Schmid. Yeah. By far. Like he had two shutouts. He had, I want to look at his, his stat line quickly here. That's insane. Um, a 951 save percentage. He gave up seven goals in five games. And I'm just going to bring up his, um, but so yeah, 4.5 goals saved above expected in those five games. The only goalie who was better was Igor Shesterkin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rangers and letting down a really great goalie. Name a better, more iconic yeah. duo. And, right. and that's kind of the thing there. You mentioned those underlying numbers. The Devils had those all season. Even in their rough patches, they still had good underlying numbers. They just ran out of luck for a bit. The Rangers yeah. rely on special teams. They rely on power play, on Chris Kreider scoring a whole bunch of power play goals which he did. They relied on Igor Shesterkin to be an amazing goalie and save their asses, which he did. But it's like you can't beat a team that is built to win like the Devils were in that series. Yeah, I think um, Kreider was good and Shesterkin was also good. Um, And I think maybe like some of their bottom, like their, their fourth line, I think, was did like their job pretty good for the Rangers, but outside of that, like Panarin, uh, was Panarin zero points or was he one? I can't remember. Panarin had two um, points. Yeah, he had w- he had um, one even strength point and two points total. Um, two assists. I think Tar- Tarasenko and Kane had pretty good offensive series, mm-hmm. um, but, but like, the guys who were already on the Rangers, like except for Kreider, didn't like. Yeah. Mika Zibanejad did like nothing until that game six, and then it was like all power play stuff. Like they had yeah. so many power plays that game six. It's like, yeah, of course they're gonna win. Um, Devils just wanted to win at home. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Kira Schmid. I made a joke to my my friend. It was like the power of God in anime was on the side of um, the Devils um, because Akira Schmid is named after Akira, the anime. His dad just bas- he basically confirmed that when they were on the um, the dad's trip. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's like. Swiss guy named Akira. Um, but he just, like, he showed up, and it, like, obviously it's not the only thing, but, like, he j- they just couldn't beat him. And the Devils did a great job of just, like, shutting them down. Like, you can't, yeah. like, just shoot from the, the edges of the perimeter. That's all we're going to let happen. No one's going to get in front except for on the power play. Um, so they did a great job. I saw some people were talking about, I think I saw like a spit and chicklets clip and they were like, Oh, they should have put Luke Hughes in. It's like, I'm pretty sure that having a monster like Kevin ball in front of the net is one of the reasons they won because he's just able to clear that net front. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh, like Patrick Kane or, you know, Kreider, you want to get, get into the, you want to stick handle into the net or you want to park your ass here? No, get out of here. Um, exactly. Luke Hughes wouldn't have been able to do that. Um, so, yeah, like that's like they're winning. They're doing a good job. Don't change the roster. Um, so yeah, and I think um, Rangers fans in particular. I think I've seen a bunch on Reddit and, and on Instagram and stuff that they're upset with Gallant um, because 
you know, we talk about the chess match and things, and I think he's got a bit of a reputation for losing those. Um, and sometimes it takes a few years to kind of get over that hurdle. Like um, we were talking earlier, like Barry Trotz in, in um, D.C. He took a number of losses before he actually figured out, like, how to make the right adjustment, right? It took, it took him some time to figure it out. Um, so I don't know if Gallant just needs more time or if he'll even have more time with this roster. There's already rumblings that you said Joel Quinneville. Yeah, <laughs> might of be all the guy. random <laughs> player people to come in, that would just be a baffling one to, to let him back in the league. But that's a, that's an entirely different episode. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, do you see the Rangers' loss here as a failure to adapt to their strategy? Because like, hundred percent, they weren't really getting anything going outside of that power play. Um, so it's like they should have made some adjustments to tweak their game plan a bit but yep. i don't think that they had to do that all year like they just they could they could rely on chesterkin to to save make saves i think they had like i think they had like the fourth lowest goals against in the league or something um and then they were able to just usually outscore on the power play to to win games yeah they i mean that's playoffs that's their whole game plan is is to rely on the power play and chesterkin it's why they can succeed despite having poor underlying numbers and you he we talk about like that chess match okay so the rangers dominate the first two games so the devils adapt and then and then start to play better but then the rangers don't adapt and i think that is a failure of the coaching staff and a failure on the roster and the leadership group to be like hey we're just going to keep trying the same thing over and over again even though it's not working like yeah the roster is built to do that exact thing but it's like if it's not working, you have to try and adapt. You have to try something different. You have to try shifting players around. You have to try a different pressure. Like you yeah, can't like just not every team is built the same way. So they have a, they might be strong in that counter to your game plan. And um, the Devils in the offensive zone did a good job of winning puck battles and winning the board play. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw like Adam Fox losing a bunch of board plays where like he'd just get outworked and they pass it in front and like led to some goals. Um, so yeah, it was just a good, good job by the Devils. I didn't think that they were gonna do it. I think that they were gonna be more like the team that showed up for Game One um, and Two, where it's like they look a little shaky, um, but they were able to kind of get their confidence and just kind of, you know, adapt their game, like you said and made a huge difference and i think they just wanted to win at home <laughs> that <in> game <laughs> seven <laughs> um so yeah um between the devils and the carolina hurricanes who uh who are you picking this is a really difficult one um this is this is like it this is gonna be a coaching battle i think so too yeah like it's gonna be it's just gonna be the most interesting thing to watch the the different line matchups the strategy changes the the game adjustments just all of that going on behind the scenes to to see which coach prevails um i like to think the devils have a much stronger roster at the moment just because of carolina's depth and injury issues as well as their offensive issues but then I go and look at it, and the Devils only scored like one more goal than Carolina did in in the in that first round. So it's not like they have a much better a much better offense or anything. I just mm-hmm. I do think the Devils will prevail in this one. They've just got a little bit more of an energy around them. They're a little bit healthier. Um, they've got the hot goalie factor. Like Antiranta was good. He made the saves Carolina needed, but he wasn't like stellar. He wasn't outstanding. Mm-hmm. Nakir Schmid was outstanding in that first round. 
So for Carolina, that's already having trouble scoring. The Devils are doing a good job at preventing high danger chances, at keeping the puck to the outside, playing into Carolina's game because that's kind of what they do is is high volume shots from the outside. But like they've got a goalie playing as well as Schmid right now, like it's going to be really difficult for Carolina to score. Probably going to end up being mm-hmm. a low ish scoring series, but I do think New Jersey takes this one in six games. Yeah, I agree. I think the Devils are gonna gonna take it just because they're rolling and um. If Shmi keeps playing lights out, which he could, he could not. Um, mm-hmm. I think that they're going to be too much for a pretty. I don't know what you want. If they're, if they're under like, they got a lot of attrition on that uh, Carolina team. A lot of guys out of the lineup. Um, so I think the Devils are going to going to prevail. Uh, while we've been talking here, Florida just scored again um, on a delayed penalty. Brandon Montour one timer fed from none other than Matthew Kachuk. Um, and I didn't know this. That's his, that's his sixth goal of the playoffs, they're saying. Um, but they're 3-0 when Montour scores <laughs> in playoffs this year so far. The ultimate predictor. <laughs> Which is, I mean, there's seven minutes left and they're up by two. So um, depending on how long the rest of these segments <laughs> take, we might we might be able to confirm if that moves up to 4-0. Um, but yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick the Devils as well. So I'm picking Toronto and, and uh, New Jersey to move through in the East here. Um, in Depending how long plans. this episode takes, we also might be able to um, amend our Toronto-Florida prediction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Um, okay, so um, this is another series that I watched a little bit of, but not the whole thing. Um, uh, Vegas uh, won in five against the Jets, 4-1. Um I thought the Jets would put up more of a fight, but um, they didn't want to. <laughs> yeah, this this uh, this whole Winnipeg saga is going to need its entire own episode in the off season. But um, they didn't want to is is pretty accurate. They were yeah. they were hampered by some big injuries. Like they lost Josh Morrissey early enough in the series for it to have an impact. Shifley got hurt late in the series, but they just didn't they didn't have a whole lot going for them. That last game, I watched the last game, and it's just they didn't look like they're even trying. Yeah. Um, and you know, Hellebuck played okay, but Brassois, um, despite Jets fans chanting "You're a backup," played really good. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I don't even like just side. I I said this to you when it happened, but like I don't understand that chant because it's like there's five goalies in the league that would be a backup to to Hellebuck. Of course he's going to be the backup. You mean there's <laughs> there's only five guys who wouldn't be a backup to Hellebuck? Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like there's five guys. <laughs> well, that's, I don't know that's saying a lot about Hellebuck, but yeah, no, I totally get it. Yeah, it's um he's a great goalie and like he's he's the guy that plays all their games basically and so yeah, it's you know, there's lots of guys who've been in there that have played second fiddle to him and mm-hmm you know, would have to move on. Um, but you look at you look at um, Winnipeg's big-name players here. I mean, Neil Pionk led the team in scoring. Yeah, he as has seven, He has seven, seven assists. Like, Blake Wheeler, yeah, he had six points. But you, you go down here, I mean, Shifley had one point in four games. Morrissey was hurt and missed most of the third game, so he had one point in essentially two games. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, just a I whole bunch Shifley of zeros. Got, I think Shifley had 
got hurt. Wheeler looked like he was trying, even in that last game a little bit. Dubois, I don't know. Um, He's vocal yeah, about just, not wanting to be there anyways. Yeah, they just, I don't know. Like, bonus, after they got eliminated, just said that there's no pushback. He said he was um, disappointed and disgusted. And he walked it back, I think, like a, a few days later that he shouldn't have said disgusted. But I don't think he should have walked it back. I think that you have a right to be disgusted because you said this goes back to January and February and, you know, we just, things don't go our way and we just give up. Like, yeah. that's not what you want. Time to shake it up. Get rid of Shifley. Um, you know, maybe move Wheeler. I think a lot of these guys have, like, no movement, no trade clauses, so it might be harder, but... And then Hellebuck said, I don't want to be part of a rebuild. Yeah, which is concerning considering how important he is to that team. But, yeah. like, something's got to give here because this is, like, a couple years in a row of, of extremely disappointing performances and a lot of smoke coming out of that locker room about toxicity and culture and, um, something like, something's got to give with the, with the composition of the team. Yeah, and it's not new, right? Like, it's been, like you said, it's been a few years. Like, Statsny, after last year, said, like, People don't care about the guy next to him, and they don't care about doing things right, basically. And like, you're never gonna win. Mm-hmm. You do that. So, yeah, it's um, kudos to to Vegas. I think Chandler Stevenson was their highest scorer. Yeah, Stevenson um, and Stone tied with eight points. They he plays Chandler Stevenson. Like, I'm so happy that that guy's turned into like um, a top six guy. Like, I always see like I I still see things where it's like, oh, what if they had a real center? <laughs> playing here it's like give some respect to him the guy's playing unbelievable he plays so well with mark stone like his speed is so good and he's actually been able to like really develop his the rest of his game when he was in washington he's he's one of those unique guys who comes out of nowhere to become like a legit nhl star yeah like when he was in washington he was like a bottom six pk like speedy boy and that was basically it and he had like a he had like a go-to move it was like like the the classic like forehand backhand five hole goal on breakaways, mm-hmm. he's he's okay. But now he's like he's like the legitimate top six guy, mm-hmm. um, and he's you know has he's had sixty this. points in each of the last two seasons. Yeah, like he's he's not being just propped up by the guys he plays with. Um, no, because he's, he's often a, like the best player on the line, and Stone's been hurt for most of the last two seasons. Yeah, so I'm I'm happy for him. Um, it, I. I still think he's a traitor going to Vegas after uh, after that <laughs> finals, um, but I get it. Um, happy for him, but he looked good. Um, and then yeah, the, the depends how you feel about the cap circumvention situation. But um, you know, uh, did Mark Stone look a hundred percent? I don't know. So um, we'll see how they do. But I think yeah, Vegas did a good job to to really just. I don't know if they really like defeated the Jets or if the Jets defeated themselves. Like if they that's a that's a good know. that's a good thinking question on that one. Like if they if the Vegas did anything to truly demoralize the Jets enough to be like we can't we have no chance of winning. Like I it don't know. It seems like the Jets have been doing that to themselves since because they just came out of, like they won game one. They did. They had a great game one. They won it like five one. So it's like I don't I don't know where they they go from there because then they lost every game after that. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I don't know. There's there's going to be some real 
conversations being had, I think, all offseason about just what lies ahead for the Winnipeg Jets because I think this might be a pretty different team next year. It has to be. <coughs> Bonus and Shevel Day off for Saint, but who knows who else? I think, like, what's your core now? Connor, Ehlers, Morrissey? I wouldn't put Ehlers in there because he doesn't get any ice time. Yeah, maybe he will if Shifley's gone. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, again, we do this every time, but saving uh, the Oilers season for last. <laughs> um, Edmonton won against LA in six. Uh, what are your thoughts on that series, Sean? Why did the Edmonton Oilers win? Um, they So they started the series pretty weak. They were playing well enough, but they were playing extremely undisciplined. They were, you know, I'll, I'll save the criticisms of the refs a little bit, but the refs were making some bad calls. The Kings were embellishing stuff, but the Oilers were putting some, themselves in positions to do that. They were putting themselves in positions to take the dumb penalties, to take the bad calls, to look like they were guilty on stuff, and that was causing them to be on the power play way more than they needed to. Um, I'm trying to bring up here because I wrote it down somewhere. The Oilers got the lowest number of penalty uh, power plays, I think, in the first round as well. I believe so, which you know also impacts it when the Oilers' power play was operating at like 58% in the first round. Yeah. If they don't get any power plays, they're not going to be as good as as expected. But um, it was something crazy. Like they they had 15. They were shorthanded like 15 times in the first three games, and then six times in the last three games. So all of that extra time in the first three games that they struggled, that they spent killing penalties and giving up power play goals, they had all that extra time at even strength, all that extra time not losing momentum on the penalty kill because their penalty kill wasn't good either. Um, the other issue in the first part of the series was five-on-five five scoring. I mean, Dreisaitl had a point on the first 14 goals the Oilers scored <laughs> in that series which I believe was the NHL record for most most consecutive playoff goals with a point or something for a single player. Uh, they weren't getting scoring from really anybody but Dreisaitl. And a team like Los Angeles that's deep, that's got multiple threats to shut down your best defensive player, your best offensive players, pardon me, like they need more than that. So eventually for game four, after the um, totally didn't touch it, high-sticking overtime goal for Los Angeles, Mm-hmm. For game four, the Oilers, they became more disciplined. They stopped taking dumb penalties. They found some depth scoring from some key players like Nick Bukestad and Kuhn Costin had a great series from the bottom six. And they just, you know, Zach Hyman had a couple of huge plays, huge goal in overtime, goal off his face for another game. And that's kind of what helped them is they, they just corrected those issues of, of discipline and depth scoring. Or five on five scoring, I should say. Just it wasn't even the depth. It was some of their better players, like Hyman, Kane, Nugent Hopkins, didn't didn't have a whole lot of points in the first few games. Yeah. So yeah. they found a way to correct that, and they did better. And um, you know, one one little key thing. I mean, it's it's not not little per se, but Jack Campbell coming in in uh, that. I want to say it was the fourth game. Oilers go down three nothing in the first period. Jack Campbell comes out to start the second. And he looked very not good. <laughs> I don't think he. I don't think he intended to make a single save that he did. He didn't know where the puck was ever, and he just looked like he didn't know where anything was happening. But he stopped everything. 
I think it he only gave up one goal. He was like 28, 29 shots or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, just a, and he came in and 50. saved the season. Like that, if the Oilers lost that game, because this, you know, they're down three nothing. They come back and tie it. They come back and they win that game in overtime. Mm-hmm. If Jack Campbell doesn't come in and just be that presence, like the Oilers' season's done. Yeah. So like that was a key turning point. Is just Jack Campbell coming in, you know, redeeming himself. I'm fine that he had a terrible regular season because he came in and played the exact <laughs> way he needed to, and played when amazing in the to, one yeah. game when he needed to. So that was huge. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think I think it's a good point. The discipline, like regardless of how you feel about the how the calls were going, one way or the other, like you know, like the Bouchard um, cross check in the in that I think it was game one, um, like last minute, you can't go up high on a guy like crossing the blue line. Like you gotta keep it down, and like I think that's just an experience thing. Like you can play the body and whatever, but like you gotta be really careful because like eyes are gonna be on you. Like is there's, it's not going to be a consistent standard mm-hmm. when a team's down by a goal, <laughs> like with the goalie pulled, you know, you, you trip a guy, it's going to get called, or you get the hands up, it's going to get called. Um, but yeah, I mean, like Dreisaitl was a monster. Um, Glenn Costin had some some clutch goals. Um, yeah, it. Uh, I I think I think Stuart Skinner looked like okay <laughs> um he wasn't he was, great he wasn't like amazing so i think in this next round it's it's going to be um important for the oilers special teams to really do a good job because yeah. the one thing that i forgot to mention in that jets when um vegas series was winnipeg was killing the special teams battle um vegas sucked mm-hmm. like their power play wasn't wasn't great um and their penalty kill wasn't great either so it's like if the Oilers can replicate that and get a little bit you know more offense and I don't think the Oilers will have the okay we're done here we've we've like we've won the one game we're done in this season or this series um you know keep a consistent compete level um it should be should be in the the series for sure yeah um Um, one one small thing to correct something i said there i said dry had a point on the first 14 oilers goals he did not he only had 11 points in the series i think he he was was on the the ice ice or something yeah for the first however many yeah um yeah um so um i'll I'll go before you because i think i know that you're gonna pick the other team here because that's just what you do (laughs) but um i'm gonna pick the oilers here i think that um you know the the offensive weapons that the Oilers have, sure, there's some guys that might need to turn it up a bit, um, you know, like Nuge, Kane, or whatever, Hyman. Um, but I think that the weapons that the Oilers have are going to be harder for a guy like Laurent Brassois to 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 keep out of the net. Um, and I think that that's going to be the difference. And I think the Oilers are going to win. And I I I think it's going to be six. Um, so what what do you think? Vegas and five. <laughs> <laughs> I have to, but no, it's <laughs> Vegas. Uh, Vegas plays a very structured game. It's kind of that same thing we were talking about earlier with um, Boston, Florida, where Vegas plays a very structured game, and I don't see Edmonton as doing the same. I see them as a very um, rush counterattack based team, and that's not something that bodes well against Vegas because that's not the way they don't give up a lot of those chances the way that Edmonton capitalizes on them. We've already seen the Oilers rely so much on their power play. They don't seem to be getting the chances on it so far. 
they did not in the first round, but they still won anyways. But um, they don't seem to get the chances that they need to make the power play an impact on the game. So if they don't get that, they're not going to be able to you know find a way to beat through Vegas. They do have an advantage because like compared to Los Angeles, Vegas doesn't have as many of the defensive shutdown forwards because the Kings have Kopitar and Dunno, like two Selkie caliber forwards. The Golden Knights just have Stone. I I wouldn't consider any of the other players to be on that level, able mm-hmm. to shut down what could be four scoring lines. The way that they construct their lineup with Drysaddle on one line, McDavid on one line, Nugent Hopkins on one line. The Oilers play 11 forwards, 7D a lot. They play better when they do that. And then they can roll McDavid or Drysaddle on the fourth line and have four scoring lines. Yeah, Vegas can't counter that. So that's that's you know that's another way Edmonton's going to get the advantage. But um, I just there there's something something in the something in the uh, the structure the way Edmonton Edmonton capitalizes on opponents' mistakes and special teams that I don't know if they're going to get the opportunities to against Vegas. Yeah, yeah. I I think I'm just looking at a thing here. They both had the exact same number of five on five goals, but obviously the Oilers played. Um, more games, mm-hmm. um, or more one more game, um, but yeah, the power play like. I think you're still gonna get calls, and if mm-hmm. if the Oilers can stay disciplined, like I think that was a real issue in the first half of that series. Like, just yes, you're not getting the calls, but you still have to stay disciplined and like yeah. keep your nose clean, and, w- and then worry about what's not getting called. Um, if they can stay disciplined and just out of the box, um, I think they'll they'll prevail. Um, but I I totally get where you're coming from. You know, you, you don't want to go with your team just to jinx them or anything, and <laughs> I think it's too easy. Um, so I, I totally get that. Um, but I do think that um, you know the the Oilers will win, and we haven't even talked about how it's um, Eichel versus McDavid. Um, oh yeah. I for, I forget about that. I keep forgetting. Oh, because it's that not a thing. thing. Like no one cares. Yeah. <laughs> like it's like Eichel's barely <laughs> played the last two seasons. They've seen each other. Like <laughs> what's Eichel played against Edmonton like twice in the last three seasons? Who cares? Like yeah. nobody's even thinking about it. Yeah, like no one no one cares. But some people are gonna make it a storyline. Oh yeah. Um, so so we'll see. Um, yeah. Um, I guess that's that's it. So we're we're picking we're both picking Dallas. You're picking Vegas, and I'm picking the Oilers in the West. Um, okay, well, is there any any of these that um, you want to say anything more about or any player that uh, you want to give, like, a kudos to at all for an exceptional performance in round one? Evan Bouchard. Yeah. Other, other, like other, than, other than the one, uh, you know, punching a guy in the face and taking a bad penalty, guy had 10 points in six games in the first round. That's, that's, that's like he's playing the best hockey of his career. Um, he's taken over the power well, play. Well, he's like and 40, it's... so... Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> he's, with, all, with all of his years as a grizzled vet behind him, you know, he's finally uh, broke through and become such a good player. Um, yeah. You know, he he had... Power play goal, Tyson. He had eight power play points in the first round. So in case anyone's wondering whether or not Tyson Berry is essential to that power play, he is not. <laughs> yeah, he's not. Uh, Evan Bouchard has very, very much taken over that power play and is doing great with it. Um, him playing with Eckholm, they've basically become the better number one pairing. They've given the Oilers two great pairings, and it's 
he he's a a very um I don't want to say underrated performance cuz Oilers fans know exactly how good he was through that series, but it's a bit out of nowhere considering this, the regular season he had was a bit rough at times. Yeah. Yeah. Um he's just rose to the occasion. Um Yeah. For sure. Um I'm trying to think if there's anyone else um that I can think of here. Um I mean we sung Matthew Kachuk's praises. Um yeah, I don't know. Um I don't think so. Um, I look forward to uh, seeing what happens here. Um, Toronto's got the goalie pulled down by two here in like the last 30 seconds. Yeah, so Florida's Sam Bennett go took a nothing. double minor. Uh, what else is new? Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Dallas plays later today or like right now, basically. Um, game one, that should be fun. Um, and then I think the other two play tomorrow. So yes. Be fun. That wraps things up for this time here on Clappercast. Make sure you rate and review this episode and toss a follow or subscribe our way. For more content, you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Clappercast Media or on Twitter at Clappercast. Thank you all for tuning in, and we'll be back next week with more Hockey Talk.